it's Wednesday, November the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by Raytheon Technologies. Coming up, RBI's Tigres Capital and more Thai protests. First, the world in brief. Abiy Ahmed, Ethiopia's Prime Minister, promised a final critical act in the conflict in the northern region of Tigray. His government's forces are expected to advance on Tigray's capital, Mikel, after the region's leaders ignored a deadline to lay down arms. The UN has described the situation as a full-scale humanitarian crisis. Around 30,000 refugees have fled to neighbouring Sudan. Police in Thailand fired tear gas and water cannons at hundreds of protesters near the parliament in Bangkok, the capital. Inside lawmakers were debating possible changes to the constitution. Demonstrators want reforms to the monarchy and the resignation of the Prime Minister Prayuth Chanucha, a former army chief who seized power in 2014. Several people were injured in the protests. Australia and Japan announced a pact to conduct military training exercises and operations together. The Reciprocal Access Agreement is the first to allow foreign armed forces on Japanese soil since the one with America in 1960. Australia's Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who is visiting Tokyo, boasted of a special strategic partnership between the two countries. Christopher Miller, America's Acting Secretary of Defense, said that President Donald Trump will reduce the number of American troops in Afghanistan from 4,500 to 2,500 before he leaves office. He had threatened a complete withdrawal. Critics fear the move will undermine peace negotiations with the Taliban. Mr Miller also announced a simultaneous reduction of troop strength in Iraq. America's Senate unexpectedly voted to deny Judy Shelton a seat on the Federal Reserve Board. Two pivotal Republican senators missed the vote, with one testing positive for COVID-19 and the other quarantined. Ms Shelton, nominated by Donald Trump, is a controversial figure who has likened the Fed to a Soviet planning committee and argued for a return to the gold standard. Jeremy Corbyn was readmitted to Britain's Labour Party. The former leader of the opposition and darling of the far left was kicked out last month for saying that the level of anti-Semitism in the party under his watch had been overstated. An independent inquiry had found otherwise. Yesterday, Mr Corbyn penned an almost contrite statement to clear up any confusion about his position. And Tesla will join the S&P 500 share index next month. The carmaker's market capitalization of $400 billion is bigger than those of 95% of companies in the index. Tracker funds that reflect the S&P 500's makeup will have to buy around $51 billion worth of Tesla shares. Speculation that Tesla would join the index has already helped to boost its share price. And now here's today's agenda. Drill Seeker Trump's Oily Legacy Donald Trump seems determined to use his final weeks in office to clear as much territory as possible for oil prospecting. Today, his administration will auction the drilling rights for 78 million acres in the Gulf of Mexico, though low oil prices which have slumped as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic may dent demand. It also announced plans this week to open up the vast Arctic National Wildlife Refuge in Alaska to drillers. The president has long sought to allow the industry into the nearly untouched oil-rich area which is the size of Scotland. Whether he will succeed though is in doubt. Joe Biden opposes new drilling on federal lands and waters, and his administration will probably do all it can to halt the sales. Even if they are completed by the time Mr Biden gets his feet under the desk, the plans could ultimately be overturned in court. (music) 
Use it or lose it. America's wireless spectrum. Depending on which member of the Trump administration you ask, the Federal Communications Commission will today vote to either enhance Wi-Fi speeds, cause preventable traffic accidents, or threaten the country's technological competitiveness. The regulator is expected to approve a plan to reallocate part of the wireless spectrum that was reserved in 1999 for car makers, giving it instead to cable and telecoms firms and device manufacturers to accommodate the growing number of Wi-Fi-enabled gadgets. The agency points out that car makers have barely used that swath of frequency intended to let vehicles communicate with each other in two decades. But the Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chow, insists the spectrum could still be used to prevent car crashes and save lives. The Treasury Department has sided with Ms Chow, adding that the portion of spectrum left for cars is insufficient to keep America's smart vehicle technology ahead of China's. Unfortunately for them, the FCC is on a different wavelength. Spliff Decision Marijuana in Mexico Today, three Senate committees vote on a bill that would give Mexicans the right to light up recreationally. Only Canada and Uruguay have done so nationwide until now. In Mexico, cartels rule the illicit drug trade and public support for legal weed is weak. Activists got this far by convincing the Supreme Court that the prerogative to puff is enshrined in the Constitution. The Senate will take up the bill, which the court says must become law before December 15th. The ruling Morena party will face rancor from its conservative wing, but should have the necessary votes in both chambers. Last-minute wrangling over how much red tape to wrap around the marijuana market is to come. Too little would encourage widespread use and deliver a meek tax bounty, but too much would fuel the black market while excluding poorer buyers and growers. After tense deliberations, politicians may be glad of something to help them relax. Gone for good. Beating cervical cancer. Yesterday, the World Health Organization announced that, for the first time, its 194 member states will aim to eradicate a cancer. The one in question is cervical cancer. Because infection by the human papillomavirus is its main cause, elimination is possible through routine HPV vaccinations for young girls. The goal also requires that 70% of women be screened for cervical cancer by the age of 35, and again at 45, and that 90% of women diagnosed with it get treatment. If these targets are met, 5 million lives will be saved by 2050. The economic benefits are considerable. The incidence of cervical cancer in low- and middle-income countries is twice that in high-income ones. The strategy comes at a challenging time, as COVID-19 has interrupted routine inoculations around the world. But the new year promises COVID-19 vaccines and a slow return to normality. That will allow the fight against cervical cancer to begin in earnest. Dear for the departed, expatriates' cost of living. With its low taxes, sunny beaches and no-nonsense capitalism, Hong Kong has long been among the preferred destinations of executives posted abroad. It is not, though, as enticing as it was. If its increasingly authoritarian politics were not enough to put off jet-setters, it has also been judged the world's most expensive city for expatriates to live in by the Economist Intelligence Unit, our sister organisation. It ties for that dubious honour with Zurich and Paris. American cities, meanwhile, have become a little more affordable, thanks largely to a cheaper dollar. The pandemic has proven mixed news for the world's bargain hunters. While supply chain problems have pushed up the prices of goods such as electronics and alcohol, says the EIU, falling customer demand has had the opposite effect on the prices of other things, including clothing. 
Few people, it seems, are splashing out on a new stay-at-home wardrobe. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Marcel Proust, who passed away on this day in 1922. We are healed of a suffering only by experiencing it to the full. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.